You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the very first episode of the Get Tucked podcast. I am your host, Ryan Tuck O'Leary. This is a show I've been talking to my bands, Fit for a King and Offered Minivan, about for the last six months or so. Both bands are going to be dropping new albums this year, so I wanted to be able to give you all as much info as possible on both projects. Not only will we cover each member of both bands, but all the people that help us on the records and on a daily basis behind the scenes. Every year we get the chance to tour with some truly wild characters, and I think everyone deserves the chance to know them like I do. Also, sometimes I might bring on a guest I'm just a huge fan of. Both of the bands I'm in are very different, so I don't want uh, the show to just be for one type of music fan. I enjoy metalcore and the emo indie stuff equally, so hopefully we get a nice balance. Lastly, I want you guys to get to know... My favorite young bands, not necessarily local bands, but just bands I've either gotten to play with that have opened up for us or something that I listened to, something I found on the internet. Uh, There's so much amazing music out there, and there's even better people who make it. So let's hopefully get to know them a little bit better, and maybe through that, you guys will get to know me a little bit better. All right. Well, thank you all very much for tuning in. Without further ado, let's swan dive into episode one with my friend, my captain, Ryan Kirby. Mr. Kirby, how are you today? I'm doing well, just feeling under the weather, not coronavirus related. Oh, that's pretty cool. Did I tell you I got tested for coronavirus yesterday? I saw that on Instagram. Was it because you had any symptoms or no? Well, doing it? when we first got home from tour, I wasn't feeling well and I was sick for like three or four days. Danielle got sick, so I called and set up to try to get us tested. And three weeks later, they called and had their whole drive through setup thing. So we set up appointments and both of us went and got tested, which um, is pretty cool because at least now we will know for the moment if we've had it, which is cool because we would have antibodies as well. Um, but it was pretty sweet. Uh, kind of scary. They stick that thing way up your nose. Yeah, it was. Um, I did not do well with it. I um, ended up getting all teared up, but Danielle did well. It was very up your nose. I've never. It's put- like the flu, kind of. I don't know if you've had a flu test, but I had one for the first time a few months ago, and it was awful. I haven't, and I don't think I want anything that far up my nose ever again. But 
it was pretty cool to see nonetheless um it was kind of like a horror movie where you like pull up and there's just like a bunch of military and big white tents and stuff but it was pretty streamlined and um mm-hmm. they get you through quickly and everyone was nice and so at least they're doing it you're in the middle of it in brooklyn yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting because you see a bunch of um, news reports about how people aren't um, obeying the rules and are going out too much. And Danielle and I went for a drive yesterday and we ended up seeing um, actually a lot of people out like in the parks and stuff. And yeah, people are way too close to each other. Um, at first I was like, you know what? I think it's not so bad. Like my neighborhood's been great, but that's just my neighborhood. Um, I don't know about everybody, so I wish it was better. I don't know how serious everyone is really taking it. Um, and now there's, um, more cases upstate that have been, uh, coming in. So, you know, it's kind of scary. We had a friend of ours from church who had it, um, but she has recovered after like five days. She was, you know, in her mid fifties, um, and mm. she was fine. But uh, yeah, the whole thing's crazy, man. You know, doctor said it's kind of like Russian roulette as far as if you get it and if it's easy or if it's hard. Yeah, you just don't know. Yeah, well, you know, what? enough about coronavirus. All this, yeah, nobody's it, heard about it yet, so I figured we would tell them about it. Yeah, we're, you know, well, I am a scientist. Uh, that's what my degree is in, in science. Um, coronavirus, general, general science. I was terrible in science. I actually, um, I failed my earth science regents, and I had to retake it. So yeah. you shouldn't be talking about coronavirus. I shouldn't be talking about coronavirus. <laughs> um, but... It's funny, uh, I was thinking about this, and I, did you have a band before Bodies Awake? I had a lot. I was in like eight bands. Okay. What? None of them lasted more than six months. Okay. I didn't know that. I was curious about that, and I don't think we've ever really discussed it. I think we've only ever really talked about um, the Bodies Awake band that you were in with Bobby Lynch. And that band was only around for eight months. Yeah, so how did you guys end up meeting Fit for a King? Did you guys, you went on a tour together, right? Yeah, we, so I, me and Bob had always played in local bands. I didn't know who Bob was probably until I was 18. But I knew this guy named Aaron Smith that works at Sweetwater now. You know Aaron Smith. Yeah. So what happened was I was in this other local band I think it was called, man, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I was in a band called Wake the City that okay. was uh, MySpace core. You know, we had a keyboardist, and at our shows, he dressed up as SpongeBob. And That's it was, awesome. Uh, <laughs> it was about as MySpace as it get. I wore a lot of V-necks in that band. But uh, so our band needed a new guitarist. We wanted a guy who could shred. And I noticed this band called Harbors. Oh my god, I just skipped a band. Alright, I was in Wake... This is what happens when you have all these bands. I was in Wake the City, and then I joined... I started a band called Daybreaker with the guys from Wake the City that was like, alright, we're done being a MySpace band. We want to be heavy and have blast beats now. And then 
we wanted a second guitarist. I like that name too. I remember Daybreaker. that one. Yeah, Daybreaker is a cool name. But now there's Dayseeker, so you couldn't be Daybreaker yep. anymore. I could just use seniority on Dayseeker. Yeah, yeah. It was 20 years ago that you made that band. Uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, so I was in Daybreaker. We had a uh, me and our guitarist. There was some crazy band drama. I'll actually get into that for a band that was together for seven months. It got pretty. Uh, we paid for this practice space. And I had my own PA as a vocalist should because you don't buy any other gear. That's pretty badass. And I came to our practice space. So over time, our band had kind of, me and the guitarist were butting heads. Uh, mainly, he was upset that I didn't look metal enough. <laughs> and Wow, that's, that is like <laughs> the main yeah. antithesis of your life, isn't it, Ryan Kirby? It is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is like 2008. And he's like, you don't, he's like, you need to go get some piercings. And I'm like, I'm not getting piercings for a local band. <laughs> and he took that as like, well, we're always going to be a local band if you don't go get piercings and start like making an effort to look metal. I was like, I'll buy clothes. I'll dress different. And he's like, no, nah, it's beyond that. That's like, amazing. Okay. Oh, my God. And so <laughs> I show up to our practice space, and he's trying out this guy that I'm friends with. Who has like plugs and long hair and tattoos. And uh, he looked like your typical like hot topic. Of course. Local yeah. band. He guys. looked super screamo, I'm sure. The most screamo guy in the room. So obviously I'm not happy because he's using my PA. Oh. Wow. And, and the and, drama ensues. Yep. And I was just like, whatever. You can have the PA. What? I was like, I'm done. I'm gonna. I'm doing a new band. And you so, gave them your PA system. I was just mad at the time. I ended up getting it back. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so that band played a show with the new guy who was awful at vocals. I feel bad saying that because he was my friend, but I guess he wasn't a great friend. Well, I think we all knew vocal. those guys who they just looked the part so much that everyone was like, yo, you have to be I the screamer in my band. It. Yeah, but then he just was awful. And so I, they played a show near me, and I just stood front row and watched him play. That's so badass. And they did not sound good, and the band broke up a month after that show. Good for you. But <laughs> So basically... I took a couple, I looked around the local scene, as you do, because I was wanting to start another band, and there's this band called Harbors that a person named Robert Lynch was a part of. I love, I feel like we have to forever, or at least I will on this show, Robert mispronounce Lynch. his name, yeah. Or I should yeah. call him Robert Ducote, his true name. Yeah, Robert Ducote was in the band. I didn't talk to Bob, though. I talked to their other guy who shredded. Oh, because they're okay. the second guitarist, and his name is Aaron Smith. Ah, okay. And, uh, you've met Aaron Smith. We yes. buy our Sweetwaters from him. Yes, go to Sweetwater and buy gear. Sweetwater.com. And then me and him started a band called Atlas. 
Oh, I've heard that one. It was that like black metalish deathcore band. Sick. And uh, then me and him started butting heads because we were like, "Hey, I want more than two people in our band. I want a real drummer." And he's like, "No, you should play with backtracks and just me and you." That's crazy. And he's like, "It'd be epic." I'm like, "You can't do a floor show with no drums." But what if you did? How cool would that have been? His argument, too, is drummers will just hold us back because they can't play what I'm writing. That's (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing. So that was... uh, Me and him did... And we were doing it, like, DIY. We were passing out burnt CDs at local shows, and we actually had a show booked where it was just going to be me and him, and we were already at, like, 200 pre-sales. Wow. And uh, then I we just both decided not to do it because I was like, I'm not going to play a show where it's just me and you on stage. That's embarrassing. I, for the <laughs> love of God, wish this was on the internet. I wish you did that show. I want to watch it, but it didn't. Yeah, but, uh, and uh, so then, but during the course of the time I was in this band, because we were attending local shows to pass out stuff. Yeah. Bobby... Robert Dakota Ling wow. came out to IHOP with us. Okay, that the International House. Excellent. And that's where I met Bobby and Steve-O. And that is when Bodies Awake formed. Yep. And then Bodies Awake actually had a vocalist already. Okay. But he did he wasn't very good. And then my friend Tommy, who I had been in like my first my first two or three bands with, joined Bodies Awake, and he convinced. What did he play? Guitar. Okay. He convinced Bob and Steve-O, like, "Hey, we should replace this guy with Ryan. He doesn't have a band." That's sick. And then, uh, so Tommy got me into Bodies Awake. Then that's how I met Robert Dakota. Well, I had already met him, but that's how I became in a band with Robert Dakota. Wow. Now we're almost to the fit for a king link. Almost. Yeah, you All guys right. ended up, you said you were only banned for eight months. But yeah. in that eight months, you guys went on the um, the truck tour, right? Where you guys... Terminate tour. Yeah, the Terminate tour where Bobby burnt himself to death, if I'm correct. Yes. Uh, the first... So we know this guy named Rob Privet who is just like looking back to some sketch local scene guy who's probably doing a lot of cocaine. Cool. Sounds like a, a nice guy. to be uh, around. Yeah. He was trying to do a t-shirt company. <clears throat> He's like, yo, I got a connection. Like pay me to be your manager. I got a connection with fit for a King. They're doing a tour this summer. Like I can get you the whoop, opening whoop. slot, which at the time fit for a King is just a local band from Tyler. So two and a half hours away. That's pretty badass, like, though. Whatever. I'm like, that'd be sick. Fit for Kings, big and Tyler, they draw like 400 people. Here, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you let me open for Fit for a King. All right. Yeah. A little less than the paperwork. Sweet. Wow, what a the, deal. <laughs> uh, so we stay. That tour had more crazy stories than any tour almost that I've done with Fit for a King, but. Basically, we went on tour with Fit for a King as the opener. Their vocalist was leaving the band 
because he is getting married. They only had one guitarist at the time. Bob became very close with Justin. He was like, and then Justin was like, Bob, I want you to join Fit for a King. And Bob was like, okay. And then Bob found out they needed a vocalist. He's like, hey, you should get Kirby to be the vocalist. And then I went and did some tryouts. And that's how uh, we met Fit for a King. But on the crazy tour story end, you mentioned Bob getting cooked. Yeah. Did anything bad uh, happen to you on that tour? I got two-faced cooked. Nice. So I can include both in one. So the first three days of this two-week Fit for a King tour, which averaged roughly ten people a show, <laughs> uh, we were in a like 1992 Chevy, not even a quad cab, just a typical one where you got to lean the front chair back. Very nice. And there's five of us. So usually one of us volunteered to like lay in the back for comfort's sake. And Bob volunteered driving from San Antonio. Oh, we were driving Corpus Christi to San Antonio in July. Jesus. And you know how hot it gets in Texas in the summer. Yes, sir. So, And it's really humid when you're down by Corpus Christi. So he's laying in the back of the truck. He roll. He's basically just laying there in his underwear. And we're like, you should probably put sunscreen on. And Bob goes, no, I'm a quarter Mexican. I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that guarantees immunity to the sun when you're three-fourths white. Yeah. And he just ignored our uh, <laughs> advice. <laughs> he fell asleep in the back. He was there for four hours. That's amazing. And he woke up and his skin was purple. Because of how bad he was sunburned. Uh, and he, like, we were at somebody's house and he showered and we heard him scream in pain from the shower. That's so good. <laughs> he was, like, crying. <laughs> and then he has to play guitar. So the strap is, like, rubbing his shoulder. Oh, that poor soul. And it's, like, unbearable. And he couldn't sweat because the skin was dead. Like, so many of the layers were burnt that it would just bubble up. He had bad random luck like that. It's like that one time we were all playing out like kickball with Gideon, and then he just got some crazy body rash all over and broke out in hives. Yeah, I would yeah. say that he made his own luck on the sunburn. Yeah, the sun that was rough. That I had it insane. half as bad because I drove from Houston to Dallas in the back of the, but I had a blanket because I didn't want to get sunburned. And I fell forgetting that my face isn't covered, woke up with just a perfect half really bad sunburn on my face. That's fantastic. So I kind of had like a two face thing going for the. (laughs) So between me and Bob, our band was looking pretty rough at these shows. But the the word, the weirdest situation was we played in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and which is the start of every weird situation. Of course, the greatest place to play in the whole country. Actually, two New Mexico things were weird, but the first one was weird. Uh, we played some art gallery in Albuquerque, and it was booked by that Rob Privet guy, the weird, the coked out dude. Very nice. And he's there, and he's just like, do not touch anything on the walls, please. And I'm like, you booked a metal show. I don't know what you're... Yeah. Like what you're expecting. You're, you're always running a risk there. Yeah. 
and he bought us he bought catering for the whole tour package it was one rotisserie chicken and a loaf of wonder bread that's amazing no pb no silverware no anything man so you just take some chicken some skin put it on the bread boom sandwich but there's 15 people in one rotisserie chicken okay all right so (laughs) that's that's amazing and uh, so we play the show, and nobody gets killed, and there's like 15 people there. And then he's like, buys Fit for a King a hotel room because Justin cussed him out and said, you agreed to buy this hotel because he tried getting out of it. Ooh. And so he bought Fit for a King a hotel room, which left us and Euphony, oh, which was the other band on yes. the tour. Okay. Jeff Harlan was in Euphony. Yes. And who is the other, there was one of the guys that ended up being in Crown the Empire. David right? Escamilla. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they all came to this house. De- Rob's like, I have a house you can both stay at. It's really nice. Like, just don't touch anything or move any of the blankets. That's so weird. And uh, so we stayed there. Were there blankets and- like covering things? We realized he was like house sitting, and oh. he they he was definitely not supposed to let ten band guys come crash at this person's house. Like me and Bob slept in the master bedroom. That sounds pretty nice. It was a nice house. It was just uh, looking back, very sketchy. Did you guys cuddle? <laughs> we always do. I mean, you slept by me. Yeah, for five years. You're so. good to sleep by. You're you're a good sleeper. It's very nice. You, Except you for punched me in the back a few times. Yeah, you and Michael from Being as an Ocean, my partner Danielle. You know, it's just a weird. I don't know. I sleep weird. Got weird dreams going on. Aggressive I, sleeper. Yeah, I had a very nice dream last night though, but it wasn't real. But I I woke up. I had a dream that um. My cryptocurrency that I own um, got uh, inflated like an insane amount of times, and then I was a millionaire, but it didn't happen. And then you woke up and you aren't a millionaire, and you still don't have a job. Yeah, I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> I still don't have a job. Um, but yeah, it was a, a very delusional and yeah, sad. But it was okay, you know. Uh, it did go up a little bit, so that's cool. Um, it'll you know, it'll keep going up. Yeah, give it a few years. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so the other thing I was thinking about with this whole Screamo uh, start to your life is, I know we've talked about Madden before, but, like, what was the band that made you want to be Screamo? Um, I would say Avenged Sevenfold and Atreyu. Okay. And was that because... I heard, like, Blossom Black, and I guess... I guess uh, it started with Linkin Park in 7th and 8th grade, though that didn't make me want to be Screamo yet. Yeah, naturally. Uh, I get that. But it kind of like opened me up to heavier parts. Yeah. Where I was like, ooh, that's like when I heard Faint, I thought that was the heaviest song I'd ever heard. Oh, for sure. Uh, So that opened me up to like heavy vocals, and I started like wanting more heavy vocals. But I'm like in 8th grade, I don't know. We don't have Spotify. Yeah. And so you really you skipped over the that. new metal phase, right? Like you didn't at first you didn't get into like Slipknot and Corn and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I didn't really yeah. listen to any of that. Same here. I went right from like Dashboard Confessional to Screamo. And before Dashboard, it was like whatever my parents listened to. I was to. listening to like Switchfoot and Jars of Clay. Very Christian like, of you. Very Christian stuff. Yeah. And then I guess it was my friend Vu. He uh, was in my eighth grade class. He actually... I heard Madden, it was like Madden 02 or something. I heard Avenged Sevenfold. That was the first like actual heavy song I had ever heard. Okay. Where it was like primarily all screaming. And I told him about it because I bought the album. I was like, I love this song. I love Avenged Sevenfold. It's cool. I also found Atreyu because they were on uh, Yahoo Radio. Ooh, okay. Because I listened to an Avenged Sevenfold Yahoo radio channel, and then Lip Gloss and Black from Atreyu came on. Very nice. And I was like, oh, this is really cool, too. So I started listening to more, and then I went into uh, my homeroom at school with Vu, because I knew he liked metal. And he's like, if you like metal, listen to this. And he showed me 94 Hours by Azalea Dying. Oh, that's sick. And I was like, I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah. I think the first <laughs> time I heard it. double bass. Yeah, that song, I think, blew everyone's <laughs> mind when they heard it for the first time. At least people our age. First time I yeah. heard a tray, it was like a Victory Records sample, sampler with like them and Bloodlet. But um, yeah, gosh, As I Lay Dying, that band, that record, so insanely good. But I was, did you ever attempt to play an instrument? Uh, no, I actually, I played in school band sixth or fifth through eighth grade. What'd you play? And then that's it. I played trumpet. Oh, that's pretty cool. Can you still read music at all? Do you remember any of it? I could tell you what the lines are, the, that's pretty cool. Like what the notes are, but I can't. Yes. Maybe muscle memory will kick back in if I get a trumpet. I don't think Crystal would like me playing a trumpet during quarantine. I don't think so. I got actually, <laughs> that's funny you say that because one of our neighbors, um, a person around the block, actually plays trumpet a bunch during quarantine. But are they good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Okay, as long as they're not learning. I feel like loud instruments like drums and trumpet and saxophone, if you're not good, it's just very painful to listen to. Yeah, recording anything here has been funny because upstairs I have a four-year-old young boy who just sprints back and forth a lot of times, so we've been really lucky so far to not hear him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you open the windows, I mean, especially with what's going on in the world, there's been an insane amount of sirens just all day long it's a lot yeah but yeah not a quiet recording environment it is not a quiet recording environment this is not the log cabin that bon Iver went and made his album in or whatever this is just noise upon noise all the time but sweet that's awesome i was curious about how you became screamo I know we've kind of talked about it, but I've never heard it in order. Like I that. started screaming by making fun of a Suicide Silence song to my friend, and then he was like, oh, that sounds sick. Which one? And I think this is like ninth grade, so I'm trying to maybe the Where Is Your God one. Dude, I was thinking about that song the other day and how insanely good he was. He was yeah. one of the best front men. What a loss. 
their band was huge. They were touring like direct to Slipknot. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, I can't imagine like going through everything that they've been through. I would not wish that upon anyone. But that band, my friend, he could do in- inhale vocals and breeze. So Ooh. he was like, well, so he did a dual vocalist band as my first band. Ooh, that's pretty sick. I did the highs and then he did the inhales. Wow. <laughs> you guys must have been super heavy. So we were so heavy that when we recorded, it was our friend came over with one microphone that he bought at Guitar Center and just sat it in front of both of us. And then we both recorded our vocals at the same time. No shit. <laughs> and the drums were just the, he just placed the <laughs> mic in front of the drums. <laughs> yeah, I remember I had one band I used to be in where um, the singer used to record everything with Audacity on his computer and he would just use one like SM58 to record the whole room and that was the drums. Like, do it piece by piece like that. And you know what? For the time, it sounded pretty good. It wasn't bad. I actually just remembered the cringiest thing I ever did when I was in high school. Lay it on me. It was, you remember MySpace bulletins? Of course. So I was starting to learn how to scream, and I wanted people's opinions, so I made vocals, my voicemail, and gave people my number to call to listen to my vocals. That's so sick. Check so, out my uh, Vox, bro. Yeah, I was like, give me your opinions. <laughs> I just turned my flip phone off because this is like 10th grade. So like pretty early on to you screaming, you you figured out you were pretty good at it, right? You liked the way you sounded. You thought you were confident doing it. I felt, I wouldn't say I felt like super confident until maybe Daybreaker or Wake the City. Okay. All the bands before, I was kind of like not really giving any eye contact to the crowd. Or... Okay, and then all the, then you started to figure out how to actually be as a our local band started to be like. Honestly, I was a pretty bad frontman even when I first joined Fit for a King. Like to the point where Corey had to have a talk with me. And just about the way that you were interacting with the crowd, like showing confidence. Yeah, he's like you. You showed no. He was like you don't show any confidence on stage, and you're not interacting well with the crowd. Yeah. Like you really need to work on that if this band's going to go anywhere. I feel so like that's Corey being a good, honest guy. Always has been. He is. I know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get him on here eventually too. Pick his brain a bit. But he's been with you guys. Since the very beginning, and for those who don't know, that's our manager, Corey. Um, he w- has been with Fit for a King for 10 years now, right? This year is 10 years? Yep, we were going to go. He was going to take us on a celebration vacation. Yep, and now... Because- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to Italy this summer. I don't think we're going to Italy anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was so nice for the time period in which we got to somewhere. Yeah, I don't think he has the money that. now. He has to pay his employees. Yeah, he's being really, really kind to his employees, though. So, I, you know, this whole thing just sucks. It's stupid. But... You know, now I have a podcast, so that's cool. Everyone will be like, "Oh wow, I'm so glad you guys." The reason to finally get it going. You've been talking about it. Yeah, gosh, for too long. Yeah, I ended up deciding to to go with the get tucked one, so I can just be a little more vulgar if I feel like it. I didn't want to go and ruin the fit for a king name by being a dirty sailor man. 
Hey, they just say I'm from Brooklyn, and then they have to forget. <laughs> it's be like all the things I've seen with coronavirus. You know, it's <laughs> there are. We've had some funny characters that we've heard the last few days who legitimately have that voice and talk like that. <laughs> and it just—it's so hard not to laugh. It but, is. There's yeah. a guy that runs this local pizza place by my house that talks exactly like that. I think he's probably from the Northeast or from Italy. Yeah. yeah. And they're actually not in business now. Oh, no, they're like, closed. Yeah, I called the other day because we were like, hey, let's order a pizza because it's New York's, it's a really good New York style place. Yeah. And I was like, we we're wanting pizza and didn't want to just go to Domino's or something. And I called, and they just weren't open. And I imagine if they're not open now, they're probably never going to be. Dude, that's such a bummer. Yeah, ours are still open. Um, we have a really nice pizza place. It's like two blocks away, and it's still open. But um, And they have I like quite a few delivery guys, and they seem to be busy as hell. You know, that's all you at nighttime, that's all you really see on the street is like no cars, except for like one that's speeding way too fast. And then just a bunch of dudes on these... They're bikes, but like if you pedal for a while, it charges it, and then they can go pretty fast. Um, mm. And they're pretty sick. It's all the deliveries. All the deliveries. Yeah, we've we've cooked a lot, but it it's nice to get a treat here and there, and try to buy like we'll we'll order out probably twice a week or so just to support a little bit. But can't we go. usually do every Friday and maybe one other day of the week. Yeah, you know, but we can't even, it's funny, lately we were splitting up and, and Danielle would get the gluten-free pizza because she has to, and then I would get a normal pizza, but then I'd have so much leftover pizza, and it's you totally pizza wasteful. All I, well, I don't, I don't end up eating it, it just like sits, and I should eat more of it, but at the same time, I'm like trying not to, because I'm super envious of how you've lost 30 pounds and look fantastic. And I've done zero physical activity other than walking for the last three weeks. Remember you said you were going to smash the gym since this tour was getting canceled early? Yeah, yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the gym shut down pretty quick. This is the craziest thing that we've definitely, I don't know, that I feel like we've ever seen in our lives. I don't know. It hasn't happened since 1918. Not that I, I don't think it's going to be near as bad as that. That, that was like 50 an, million people, but that was an influenza outbreak, right? Yeah, and it killed young people. Yeah, that's nuts. So I'm glad that uh, isn't the. Not saying any group. But am I young still? I'm 31 now. I'm the average age of death. I think for that was like 18 to 45. Oof. Yeah, I would have. The stronger been. your immune system, the more risk of dying you had. I would have died for sure. I still get um, if you know it's been a while, but when I do get like the crazy flu as an adult, I've had up to one hundred and four point two fever. That's not good. No, it fries your brain. But it was interesting. I like, yeah, I passed out on the stairs and stuff, and my mom found me. <laughs> it was funny. Um, yeah. Because for those who care, I lived with my parents until I was 24. So, yeah, don't We've feel bad if you do. Yeah. Um, especially right now, right? Everyone's like, man, I wish I could just move out and go home and not pay rent right now. I saw um, my parents once, and it was a week and a half ago. But my grandma stayed in the house, and then we social distanced. Because the kids wanted to swim, and we originally like, hey, just let us use the pool. Very nice. 
and then my mom and dad were like well we can't just sit inside wait you guys can swim right now it's that warm it was the other week it got up to like 80 now it's what's that it got to 90 wow hi crystal and now it's back down to like 70 that's crazy Wow, I wish. Yeah, we're excited that it got up to 60, so there you go. Uh That's why everyone was ignoring their stay-at-home stuff. Yep, yeah, it was pretty wild. There were a lot of people out, Um, and I saw one thing. Remember when we did that, the guns show in New York? I saw him tweet the other day that there was a farmer's market that was still open, and there was a, a bunch of people at it. People... Here's the thing. Dumb animals. I just want people to do it so I can get back to playing shows. Yes, I agree. But stop dragging this out. Yep, I just want to just go back stay to inside, work. get it over with. Yes, hopefully soon, but we shall see. So one thing I wanted to touch upon with um, our band is you are super into um, the management side. You do a ton of work when it comes to marketing planning. You're fantastic with finances. Um, this is something that you seem super passionate about. At what point did you, um, realize that you really had a knack, um, for guiding a band and seeing who their target audience is and utilizing that and getting it out there? I think it's looking, I don't know if I was always great at it, but I think I looked at a bunch of other bands and I like Maybe it rooted in my love for like baseball and basketball because I love statistics in those sports. So I almost try to look at our band like, what are our stats? How many of this group like us? Why do they like our band? Is it because of this or this? If we changed this, could we be even more popular? Kind of like when you look at a baseball team, you're like, oh, our number six hitter is not giving us any production. How many runs is that costing us because we're having no one on base? After the six hitter, like stupid stuff like that. Absolutely. Okay. So it's it's just like in my head, I love making adjustments and seeing if that improves things. And I think the band has just slowly been making adjustments and move. I think bands that are good at making adjustments and self aware and yeah, a lot, some adjustments are painful and not fun, but end up making your band double the size and i think one to touch upon which today is a very cool day um for everyone out there we just learned that breaking the mirror broke the top 50 for fm radio for our active rock and that's pretty huge for us and i wouldn't say that it's we have really (laughs) departed from our sound too much i think it's like you said an adjustment it's um a little bit of an addition something that we've been working on for two records now and um, it's pretty cool to see that it's actually working out the way that we had hoped and dreamed. Um, so yeah. one, congrats on that. It's pretty damn awesome. And um, a lot of this is because of the effort you've put into learning how to be able to sing and not just scream. Um, yeah, and I viewed me not being able to sing as like a weakness of our band. Not because then you know how there's bands if you have a screamer, you kind of are forced to scream in songs. 100%. Like, like uh, there's a song on our record that we would have not been able to do if I only screamed. Yes. And, and just because of the awkwardness of if it was like the front man does nothing for an entire song. 
Yeah, it would be really weird. And you crushed it. And I can't wait for people to hear it because it's sick. And yes, definitely one of my favorites. Um, but at what point, I would say the first time we heard that we really heard you sing, or at least I did, was Slave to Nothing, Forever Unbroken. Was that the first mm-hmm. time you like recorded singing? Yeah, I had never, I had never really actually tried it before because I think confidence issues were the biggest hurdle. Because mm-hmm. singing takes, I think, an infinite amount more of confidence than screaming. Yeah, because I you think can't like half do a singing part. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. You really have to, I think, um, open yourself up to the people that are watching you or listening to you um and yeah you can't really half-ass it that's for sure but like when you're going to hit a big singing note if you're not confident you're there's a good chance you're going to miss that note and it's going to sound really bad oh missing a scream isn't you can't really miss a scream a scream can just be less intense yeah unless you have like a quack or something like i yeah quack basically your voice can either just blow out or yeah you'll sound like catatonic youths Hey, that's I want to be on there one day. It'll be good for our marketing. We'll find a good old video. You know, it'll be pretty great. That's cool. But was break. it was it Will's uh, idea to get you to sing on that track? He like I tried this like thing, and he's like, "Oh, that kind of sounds like Chester." He's like, "You should try that more." And I was like, "I don't know." And then he, so Will's kind of I give him credit for kind of like building me up enough to try it. Excellent. Yeah, I loved working with Will. I had a great time. The um, But kind of circling back to Breaking the Mirror and Adjustments, it's hilarious seeing certain fans acting like that song just came out of nowhere. Like, as far as that, oh, the, why are they sounding like this? They are changing their sound. I'm like, have you heard Price of Agony? Yeah, it's wild. Because all we did for that song was say, let's make a Price of Agony that's a little more like even oblivion a more um you know yeah, it's oblivion. not it's really not all, that far off from quite a, a few tracks on that record and it's just so funny my favorite comment about that is when people go like oh yeah like they'll be like oh drop uh drop d tuning cool whatever it'll be like Dude, this is the same we've been doing for <laughs> records and records and records. You know, 75% of the Fit for a King catalog is in this tuning. Like, it's just, it's a, it's different. It's a different presentation, but rest assured, it's still heavy. Um, so it's pretty cool to see that, that that change was possible really because of that. And honestly, it's not even like you sing that much in the song. You're kind of screaming in the verses, I'd say. The only actual singing <laughs> is the chorus. Yeah, which is like every other song. Yeah, I think it'll fit hopefully with our our you know when we go out on the Parkway Drive tour this summer, if we're ever allowed to go back on tour, hopefully those people will will like that a bit. Um, with the whole focus of talking about you with your skill for marketing, money, and like the financing aspect of the band, you know, one thing I was thinking about is you now manage a band also, and they're called Hollow Front. Uh, they're from mm-hmm. Michigan, super cool band, kind of reminds me of the Ghost Inside or North Lane a little bit um, for people out there. And I was just wondering, how, what advice would you have for a young band? And do you really feel like labels are necessary for a young band these days? Because um, I think so many people are still caught up in trying to get their records out on a label before actually learning how to market their bands themselves. It's, I'm actually at a 
crossroads with them right now as far as because they have this album they've been sitting on and I don't think any labels are going to be signing anyone yes. for a long time. So I'm like, we, we both agree that we should release the album. This is kind of, I'll get back, I'll round back to your question. Okay. okay. But, uh, the real question is, is this a good time to put out pre-orders? Because money is going to be scarce for a lot of people. Like places like merch now ship printing just isn't happening. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, to one thing to go with that, um, because at the same time, so in the month of May, and I'm actually about to put up stuff in April, I'm going to put out the Offered Minivan full length. And I think if the focus is trying to make money off of it, it's a bad time. I think if the focus is trying to get everyone on the planet to hear your music, it's the best time ever because everyone is on their phones they're all on their computers. They're locked in their house unless they're running around parks and not listening to the rules. So I think you could lose in, in terms of making money, but do you think that it could be more beneficial in terms of having more a wider audience hear your music right now? I think um, for a band that's independent, you have to pay for some kind of publicity for it. Mm -hmm. And you just have to really hope you can recoup those costs pretty quick especially for a band their size that just doesn't have a ton of money mm -hmm. on hand so i think that's their concern is more making enough in merch to offset all the push they want to give it like as far as like paying a publicist a few thousand dollars and absolutely Would whereas you yeah continue whereas if you have a label you don't really have to think about those things you just because if it takes eight months to get for them to make their money back with streaming, then whatever. Not like, a big deal. It's not a big deal. Yeah. For being like them, they're like, we can't just sit on five $5,000 credit card bill. Absolutely. Especially at a time like, you know, these. That would not mm -hmm. help anybody. So with that, like, would you say that it would be better if the world wasn't um, stopped temporarily for a band to put out on a record on their own and pay for a publicist instead of really focusing on the aspect of getting a label. Cause then at least they'd still own all their own music and could make some more money back from it. I think, so what I've learned from them is it's very hard to get into like the legit touring world without a label. Yes. Um, I think that's the biggest hurdle. I think you can put out a record. I think if you're not focused on radio whatsoever, because I think you do need a label for that, unless you just have a ton of money. But the politics of everything gets in the way. It's it's kind of a political thing, having a label. Um, yeah. Because Matt has tried to push Hollow Front for a couple things, and they weren't able to get them. And a huge reason is it's they're just not signed. There's like no way. It's hard to convince other bands. They're like, hey, this is worth it. They're, They're still not signed, a though. local band, quote unquote, you know. Yeah. So, okay, I get that. That makes sense. But if uh, you're like, yo, this new band just signed to Fearless, they're about to put out a new record. They'll play for a hundred bucks. Then you, that's such like an easy pitch. Yeah. And then we'll take them out on tour. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the band rocks, so it, it's uh, an interesting thing, and it thinks that they have uh, the 
uh, or are wanting to put out a record at this time because it is such a terrible time, I guess, for finances at the moment. There's definitely an um, argument for both sides. So I'm, I'm actually have a call with them at one today. Cool. And we'll try to, they're all antsy about like, that's another thing, advice to bands is don't worry about full lengths when you're young. Yeah, just put don't out even singles. Don't worry about EPs. Yeah, single. Yeah. What's the point of putting out an EP? Where are your, you don't have any fans yet? Yeah. I think it only like, pays off if you're like an emo band. Like for me, I really love albums. I'm a, I have to have a full album. Otherwise, yeah. I really won't be a fan of your band. But I also primarily listen to super emo music where like a band like the hotelier or something like that or foxing you know you have your favorites because of how the whole album is cohesive rather than just one track um, yeah, i guess metalcore doesn't have as much of the yeah you just want a really cool song until you get like a band like architects who will just write a whole album that's an absolute masterpiece or like to find the great line like that was you know one of those records um that was metalcore. That was just like a full-on masterpiece, even with interludes, like bit by bit. It was super, super cool. But, you know, I think with the whole po uh, talk about politics and stuff when it comes to bands, I think we've seen that a little bit too because of our Christian background, wouldn't you say, and what label we are on, um, Solid State Records, who we love and adore, obviously. Um, but we've definitely had bands that don't want to play with us because they think we are a preachy Christian band when, in fact, you've never preached on stage, to my knowledge. Yeah, I, I think I did when we were a local band, and it was honestly because Fit for a King, like, I actually stopped. I, when I first joined Fit for a King, we were still, like, a local regional band. Yeah. Um, they actually, like, had a typed-out thing for me to say. Oh, wow. And I eventually just stopped doing it because I was like, this isn't like a genuine. I get it. I was their new vocalist. They kind of wanted me to do what their old vocalist was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, and this isn't didn't he end genuine. up becoming like a pastor or something? Yeah, he's up in Kansas now. Cool. And I was like, this isn't me. Like, my gift isn't to preach. And I don't think it benefits our... Like, I think our niche... Our music, like, our music's not even Christian half the time, or more than half the time. Yeah. It's more dealing with mental stuff. Or, I think on Dark Skies, there was one religious song, really? Yeah, it was... Um, Oblivion? Yeah, Oblivion was the only, like, outwardly religious song. Yeah. And I think, it, just because it's exhausting to talk about the exact same thing every song, and if I, like Oblivion, I was just feeling it. Yeah, the, and it worked. The music Bob wrote like inspired that emotion. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write something like pretty emotional about God. But then there's other songs where it would just, like if I took Shattered Glass and wrote about God, it would just feel so forced. Oh, dude, absolutely. And yeah, I wouldn't be able to drink to that song as much as I do either no it'd be weird yeah it'd be really <laughs> weird to like go and take a couple shots and steal people's alcohol but dude i don't think i'm gonna get to steal anybody's booze for a long time yeah we're gonna be wearing masks yeah or i'm gonna like yeah that's it was funny like the whole thing started and i'm like oh wow last night i crowd surfed on you know a bunch of people 
and stole drank yeah stole quite a you know it was nice actually when i got to the bar the bartender poured me a shot for and and then you got sick right after it ended and you're like oh did i drink something (laughs) oh yeah i got sick on the drive home we were me and jim were making the trip back and i was just like oh no i don't feel good um i'm still convinced i had coronavirus in december yeah i remember you going through that and going and getting tested and telling me about it um because it was like two weeks you were sick or something I was sick for like two or three weeks, 103 degree fever, could barely breathe, like had to get steroid shots to breathe. That's insane. And it wasn't even working. I basically just, in my lungs have felt bad ever since. Like I have less lung capacity now than I used to have. Will you be able to do the the 18 second scream or 22 second scream or whatever the hell it is? It was honestly way harder than it usually was. Ooh, here so we go. and part of coronavirus is it does permanent lung damage yeah. to some people. So I always wonder, like, because it was every symptom to a T, like drenched in sweat when I would wake up in the morning, was barely able to breathe, was coughing like crazy. I went to three different doctors, and this was before anybody knew about coronavirus. Yeah, but this was in December. Right. Yeah, and a lot of doctors now are thinking it started in November in China. And this we played a- New York City. Yes, for the last show, which a lot of Chinese flights in and out of New York City. I live in a primarily Chinese neighborhood, and a lo- some of our Chinese fans come to our New York City shows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so they're believing it could have been in the U.S. in December. Like, some scientists think millions of people may have already had it. And I was like, I think I had it. That's why I really want to take an antibody test. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the swab that I did will tell me if I have had it or not. Um, But I hope so, because I did, you know, have a fever and stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, we hope we turn up negative regardless. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I would love to know if you actually had it, because that was crazy timing. And Crystal was the one who was like, you have to go to a doctor because she would like hear me like barely able to breathe at night. And it was it was bad. That was the most I've been sick in a long time. Yeah. And it's just crazy with the timing. I do. And it wasn't doing anything weird. Yeah. (laughs) That's why. uh, And I did two separate flu tests with two different doctors. Both came back negative. That's insane. Yeah. I have a buddy who he gum. Got a punctured lung a few months back, and then, of course, this happened. So he's like, oh, wow, I'm really worried about this whole thing. And he lives up in the Catskills, but now there's a confirmed case, like, you know, a few streets from him. Um, yeah. So it's really starting to branch out. But, yeah, no matter what, we can't not talk about coronavirus, right? It's just... I mean, it's consuming. It's something everyone is dealing with. Yeah. Well... I hope that you didn't have it, but and hopefully your lungs. I kind of hope I did at this point because maybe yeah. I'm immune. That would be cool. Yeah, or at then least I you know you can handle anywhere it. I want. Yeah, well, that's why we were kind of stoked to have a test because we haven't gone anywhere since getting tested, so we could, in theory, be like, "Oh, cool! Like I'm, I'm at least good for like 24 hours. What's one thing I want to do?" <laughs> yeah, but then I'll go to Walmart and I'll get it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um. You know, one thing I was thinking about with your singing is I noticed when you started doing your covers, your singing improved a lot. 
Would you say that you doing self-recording at home with a very modest setup, I believe it was just a USB mic, and starting to do covers, did that really help you to learn how to sing? It definitely did. I think just recording yourself in general, because then you can start making adjustments to your tone, because you start hearing how you sound on recording, and you're like, oh, I don't like that. Absolutely. And then you just start changing stuff about it. And I think just getting comfortable recording singing. Because it is way weirder than screaming because it's not as much just balls to the wall, scream as hard as you can. It's definitely, there's like some grace to it and yeah, you need to have technique and restraint and but you need to know when to cut loose at the right times. Do you um, think that you've started screaming a little differently since you started singing or is it like hard for you to find a balance when you're playing live? I think that's what I'm still, my biggest struggle is finding a good balance because I feel at times I'm screaming. I'm like holding back my scream a bunch so I don't hurt my singing voice. And then that costs us, costs me or us the like heavy factor of our band. But then there's times where I just go, all right, I'm just going to go all out. I don't even care. I'm just screaming hard. And then I start losing a bunch of my vocal range. Yeah. So it's like definitely. And I talked to some people that sing and scream to get their advice, like Maddie Mullins and stuff. And they said it is, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Is finding like that perfect balance. It's cool watching um, during this time period, a bunch of people are doing live streams. And um, Matt Keefe, I think that's the pronunciation of his name. Did from I Trivium. Saw a Tiger cover. Oh, I didn't see that one yet. But um, yeah. <laughs> he's done a bunch of live streaming. I guess he's a big tweet. Twitch guy, but it's cool to watch him switch between his singing and screaming because he has really fantastic singing technique and sounds great. Um, but I think that everyone that hears screaming thinks that it's like this super loud, visceral, damaging thing when in fact it's not. Um, it's just a technique of vocal. Yep. Just like anything else. Yep. That's uh, pretty cool. Well, Usually singing's way louder than screaming. Yeah, I would say so. That's always been my challenge is... Um, trying not to sing so loud and get like shouty and trying to like, keep it, keep it to a minimum. But mm -hmm. I'm also a little deaf. So yeah, it's fun. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It happens. And sometimes I'm, I think I'm just a loud, loud human anyway. I'm kind of obnoxious with, when it comes to that. But, um, you know, with that, the other hard part of being a vocalist is, and in some bands, this isn't the case because in some bands, um, other people write the lyrics and I can think of a couple, but <laughs> for us, you know, you do write a lot of, of lyrics, you know, every once in a while I have uh, a few yeah. we throw in there, but for the most part, you have written all the lyrics of, that people know of Fit for a King in terms of uh, screaming and singing and stuff. And usually if there's a part that I um, sing, it's because I wrote it or vice versa. I can only think of a few that are the other way around. But um, when did you start writing? I guess I've always, I did it from day one. I've always done lyrics. Now they weren't good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I learned the most about lyrics from Will as far as like not saying the all the time or my or like using more adjectives. Yeah. Kind he... of being more descriptive. And I think vocal, I always think it's weird when vocalists don't write their own stuff because i see it as like it's my responsibility it's like my instrument so i need to do it in full mm -hmm. and 
I'm the one who's going to be saying majority of the stuff every night. So it's like, uh, I kind of want it to be based on what's going on in my life. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, so I think I just kept doing it. Tr- and it's the whole thing like with money and growing our band. It's trial and error. Like what kind of lyrics do our fans like? Do our fans like uh, what's a good balance between really articulate sounding, but also not so complicated that they can't memorize the words really well. Yeah, you can't be too buried in metaphor. Otherwise, people don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, and that's fine, but our I'll openly tell people our our band's goal is to get as popular as possible. Because we want to do this forever. Oh, of course. And my advice would be um, write a song about hurricanes because us, I prevail, and thrice all did it. It just works. And it worked out. Um, so write a song about hurricanes and then you'll you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, you seem to really have a knack for it. And I think to go along what you just said, to go along with, um, a lot of bands, this is the hard battle, and I think it comes when you're older, is do I go along with what my fans like, or I, do I do what I want? And a lot of bands that just go the I'm going to do what I want route don't seem to pan out too well. Especially if you change genres, because you make your entire fan base from a sound. And when you take that sound away, yeah, you better do it in a way that that's why transitioning slowly. We haven't always sounded like Price of Agony when everything breaking the mirror. But Fit for King has had melody of the course. entire time. So we just kind of slowly molded that melody into like a more metal sound. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think um, we'll ever be the type of band that just does a whole record of one sound either. So it's not like we just went from zero to 60 and punished everyone with like 10, the price of agonies, you know, especially on this new record. I'd say the balance is there pretty, pretty solidly. I think there's more heavy songs on this record. Yeah. Because there's three I can immediately think of that are just all heavy, no singing. There's actually not like a crazy amount of singing on the record. We just do it a lot in the songs we do sing. Yeah. I like the new record a lot. I'm excited for people to hear it. It's going to be great. Anyone it's... that disagrees can not. And you probably, hey, if you have a good reason for disagreeing, hit us with it. If your reason is, oh, they're selling out, I'm like, well, you haven't listened to our last three albums. Yeah. Apparently. So. I would agree. Also, we're really bad at selling out because we still play really heavy songs, and that would be the opposite of selling it. You know, up until this new record that we're going to be putting out, what would you say your favorite song is that you've written? Um, I, I really enjoy... It's kind of a tie. I, really, I think Hollow King's a good song. I like the chorus. And, uh, but I really, I had like Shadows and Echoes a lot too. Interesting. Which there's some of the Shadows and Echoes and Dead Memory. Yeah, Dead Memory is one of my favorites. I really like Price of Agony and When Everything Means Nothing. I'm kind of like close to like where our fans are. I think Shadows and Echoes is the one a lot of people like would say is the not obvious one. Yeah. I like uh, Oblivion a lot. I think that's one of my favorite you tracks. I think when you sing in Oblivion is one of my favorite moments. And up until that, it was, I think, Dead Memory. 
and both are very similar songs. So I just like they certain. Are. Yeah, I like when you do that. You like thing. the melody and the heavy. Yeah, even though Oblivion doesn't get very heavy, so that's why it's confusing but when it's people fast. say we're light now. It's spinny. <laughs> it and is spinny, and it's got that architect's blast. You know, it does. I always or it's like super those. melodic with a blast beat. I remember when Bob first wrote the demo for Dead Memory at Mr. Small's in the green room upstairs, and I was just like, holy smokes. This Which we should have so played Mr. Small's a few weeks ago to a sold-out crowd. It was crazy the way that we ended that sh- very short one-week tour. And it was like the best show of our lives. I Yeah, <laughs> I had the greatest time ever, and it was one of my favorite shows to date. It was insane. Um but at least we get to hopefully do it again someday and it'll work out. It'll still be a cool tour. Um, so what can you do? Shit not go happens. to Italy. That's what you can do. You cannot go to Italy on vacation not with right your now. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Someday <laughs> when my cryptocurrency booms and I'm a bajillionaire, um, then you'll pay for a giant bubble that you and all your friends can roll around in through Italy. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't that be so cool? We would be so lucky. Well, yeah, we especially don't want to go there now because that's another place where like everyone's dying and stuck inside and singing stupid songs together. What song did they sing together as a group or whatever? Imagine. I forgot. Yeah, imagine yeah. The celebrities did. Yeah, that's the celebrities. But in Italy, they did a song too. And I'm only saying it's stupid because I'm I don't know what it is, and I think the idea of them <laughs> all singing together is stupid. But I'm sure that I like the celebrities nice. having mental breakdowns during quarantine while they're in a ten thousand square foot house with a swimming pool. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. They can come to my one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn and see how it, how it fares for them. But um, you know, we've actually done okay. It hasn't been too bad. We we bought a tennis rackets and a basket and a basketball, so we'll go and like do some sporting stuff by ourselves. Try to get out a little bit. But I just signed up for online classes, but they don't start till June. Oh. That's but I'm cool. trying to study. I'm like going to start doing computer science and coding stuff. Nice. I figure cool. might as well get ahead of the curb. Are you? And you're going to end up breaking up the band because you're going to go have like a real person job. I would rather play music than code. But if this ever happens again, <laughs> I would probably be able to work from home. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You know, we're talking about travel and all this stuff. Favorite place you ever been to, Ryan Kirby? Um, I really, I'm a little biased, but I love Monterey, California. Cool. Yeah, that's where your family is from, right? Yeah. Yeah. I also love Prague. Cool. Yeah, we've had some nice times in Prague. Dinner with Michael McGuff. Yeah, there's McGuff. a lot of nice Europe. There's a lot of nice Europe. I love South Africa. Yeah. What a, I always love saying that because it sounds like such a douchey drop being like, that time I went to South Africa. Um, you went to the resort. Yeah. Gosh, that was an insane time. I think nice. that was my favorite trip of all time. I agree. That was my favorite trip of all time for sure. I want to go back. I hope we go back. Craig, if you listen to this, take us back, please. I want to see more lions in person. Like yeah. in the wild, not the zoo kind. Well, I'm going to the... bring a tiger back now, you know, obviously, because everyone wants a you tiger. You know me and Crystal went to that place in 2015? No way. Joe yeah, Exotic's place? It's only place? like a three-hour drive from here. What? 
Yeah, my mom took Crystal and I in 2015 after we got married. That's amazing. And we played with one of the Tiger Cubs. Now I feel bad. Dude, I mean, we, I mean, you have a Tesla. You should have two grand to spend on a Tiger right now. Um, but it is like stocks. Yeah, but you do have uh, you do have kids now too. Um, so you yeah. can't really do, go ahead and do that. We actually have our Tesla garaged right now off our insurance to save some money. Oh, very nice. That sounds cool. And then our bank for both our cars is not taking payments for the next two months. Oh, nice. Now they just need to cancel mortgages and rent. For the yeah, next right. Month. Well, that's the hard part, too, is like even with us, you know, we have a 90 year old landlady that lives beneath us, which one we've been paranoid about with, you know, trying not to get her sick, but also, you know, she's on this place forever. So I'm like, well, I hope you have a whole bunch of money. But if you don't have it, you know, stuffed in your walls, um, how do I go up to that lady and go like, yeah, I don't really want to pay you rent right now. Uh, you know, we're both in a pickle, you know, Danielle's laid off or whatever. And like just these temporary issues, you know, can you really pull that card or not? And, you know, we didn't feel appropriate with it, you know, just cause things will get back to normal. I guess it, it is, is different asking your landlord, I guess if you own your house, then you're just talking to a bank and you don't even care. Exactly. And if it was with, um, you know, I think it would be up to the landlord to come in and say that where I know in, in, there was a landlord in Brooklyn who owns 18 buildings and he said people don't have to pay rent this month which is pretty cool but um, we uh, just you know it is what it is we're just kind of rolling with it and I didn't really feel comfortable but it's a weird situation I'm just operating as if we will not play another show all year yeah I think that's the best thing to do is to just try and if we do awesome yeah, but if we don't, I don't want to be caught. I, if if you plan financially to just not play a show again this year, mm-hmm. then you won't be caught off guard if the small chance of that happening happens. You know, I think the funniest thing for me um, out of this, one of the funnier things for me that I've seen is when you go to Spotify and they're like, "Oh, let's do a relief thing to raise money for people." And I'm like, "How about you just like increase your royalty rate?" Like a little yeah. bit, because you have a garbage royalty rate. But and they're trying to fight the government right now on that bill that passed. Yeah, yeah, very. But then they want to act like they're there for the artists. Yeah, very crooked. It's not cool. And it sucks because we need Spotify. Love so Spotify. Our... You know, I love what it does for us. I just wish they were like a little bit closer to what, like, even what Apple Music is doing, which still isn't crazy, but it would be better. Um, but what can you do? You know, it's worth one play is like point zero 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 four cents. Yeah, I think. Um, but what can you do? It is what it is. What Just use it and move on? Yeah, right. So yeah, it's not like we can really do that much about it, but complain a little bit here, and that's it. So, what can people expect from you and from the band on this new record, Ryan Kirby? I think uh, it's definitely our most mature record. It's our most metal, but we still got the heavy. Some of my favorite heavy songs we've ever written are on this album. So, yeah. have we fully gone through puberty now as a band? I think our like more melodic stuff is definitely more matured. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that. And there is, you know, there is a lot of heavy on this record, and there is more. Um, I think it. It's cool. I think we challenged ourselves in the heavy realm a little bit more on this one than we usually do. I, I think we didn't just um, 
do like the Just same old backbreakers over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Like you know, God of Fire, which some people got to hear um, with when they came to our shows. When shows used to happen, um, it was, it was you know really cool to get to play that and have it be a little bit different. And I felt it got it kind of gave a different emotion live too, where we had to learn how to perform a little differently, but. I love that song. I can't wait to release that thing. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could talk about other song names, but we can't. Yeah, I know. Someday. Someday we will. At least, you know, if everything ends up, even if we had to take a break and lose all of our headlining stuff, but got to go back and start again on that Parkway tour, that'd be pretty cool. I'd still be, I'd be a happy man. But I really, really do want to do our headliner because, um... You know, the biggest bummer of that band was just the people that you we were going to get to spend time with. And um, Rio, especially, like, it was so sad. I, I, you know, it was maybe lame to say, but, yeah, I just I cried a little bit when we said bye to each other. Like, that sucks. Like, I'm not going to get to see you for how long now? Like, who knows? So After we had been talking about being able to hang out, just the hangouts on that tour we were talking about for a year yeah it was going to be the most fun tour and i was having the most fun ever i had a great workout group i had we had andrew we had everybody we wanted and even you know the coolest add-on too was jim our new light guy yeah he was such a cool guy i mean i can't imagine someone else like you know you just meet him a week ago and now you're driving uh you know 20 hours back home with him or whatever um but he was such a trooper and did such an amazing job. Really had the best time on that tour. Yeah. For fun. I was going to get sad. Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. But, you know, it's funny. You touched upon it earlier. You are. We'd the... be in Seattle today. Oh, really? Yep. That would be nice. I would have fun. <laughs> God. That sucks. I'll have to check what the Matt sent like. me a screenshot of his schedule and it said Regent fit for a king. A few days ago. Hmm. He just put a sad emoji. That sucks, man. Would have had a nice sold-out LA show. Yeah, for those that don't know, Matt is our booking agent and the guy that makes (laughs) our world go round, literally and figuratively. Makes Um, us go around the world. Yeah. Dude is wild, but it's crazy to think about how quickly he got everything rebooked and Hopefully we are able to go out in June. I think the the if it was July, I'd be pretty confident saying like, yeah, we'll be back out in July. But June is still up in the air. Um, so yeah, we will see. But we talked about it earlier. You are a long haired dude, but for the most part, no tattoos. You're not the most metal guy in the world. Um, I guess from someone's outward appearance at first, and unless they're at the bank and they. Um, say that you're a lady because i know that's happened to you before it happens a lot but um i think for me one thing that i really enjoy and we've talked about this as a group is it's kind of cool that you are one of if not the most popular metal vocalist on the planet with no tattoos um and i think it's really cool especially at a time when like everyone's tattooing their face and like all this crazy stuff is going on and personally for those who don't know I have tattoos, so I'm not like talking shit on tattoos. I personally really like them, but they're not for everybody. So I just think that it's really cool that you also are this presentation and, and, and maybe it's led to part of your success of like more normal people can relate with you because they see you up there and they're like, oh, like this guy, it, he kind of reminds me of, you know, so-and-so and, 
you know, maybe mm. I could do that. And I think that that's a pretty cool thing that I've gotten to witness by being around you over the years is I think you're a really, really uh, positive and encouraging guy um, for the average um, fan or average music goer. Um, and it's, it's really an honor to get to watch it and to be a part of it um, because you, no matter what, don't break and you don't give in to peer pressure of what everybody else in the world is up to or what they see or what they want. You are relentlessly and 100,000% thoroughly Ryan Kirby all the time. And it is so sick. And I love it. Um, so thanks for being you, man. It's, uh, it's pretty damn cool to watch. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. And of course. Um, so one thing to touch upon before I like, let you go is lately you've been reading a bunch while you've been, been home. And mm -hmm. I think I noticed this while we were in the studio. You've been focusing on kind of being more minimalist. Um, which is kind of funny because you own a Tesla, but <laughs> you hey, take it up there. Minimal engine parts. Yeah, you know, it's, it's cool. <laughs> and I am jealous because I um, would like to sell my vehicles and hopefully buy a Tesla. But um, what, what motivates you to try to live a more minimalistic life? Because um, I think it's pretty cool and I'm pretty bad at spending my money. So um, I just want to hear your thoughts on that for a sec. I'm definitely still pretty bad at spending money, just not as bad as I used to be. I just have a thing where if I do spend money, I want it to be on something that will have some value later on to where I could sell it or I could upgrade. But I like, I've just noticed my brain works better when less, I have less things to worry about at all times. And, or just like in less terms clutter, of stress? I like, guess. Yeah, it's a, I guess my brain just works better when there's, like, less things around me. Okay. That's and cool. I like having just, sim like, life to be streamlined and easy to where I, I eat the same thing for lunch almost every single day. I wear similar clothes every day. Like, just kind of make your life Very Steve routine. Jobs of you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll own Apple eventually. Yeah, right. No, I that's cool. Him. I mean, you, you have been super good with the fasting and um, maintaining a proper diet for the last, like, three months, I'd say, right? That's how long? Four months your journey Yeah, I started fasting in the studio. Yeah, so and about two to three. lost 30 pounds, looking awesome. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know if the two, like, tied in together, where once you kind of tackled the diet, you were like, okay, what else can I shed out I'd of my life? I kind of, like, plateaued at... 155 like i went from 173 to 155 and then i kind of was like frozen there mm -hmm. and then i started doing the intermittent fasting and got back down to 143 that's awesome so the fasting definitely like helped push me over the edge after i had kind of stalled on weight loss yeah you looked super hot when we were together when we had a job it was cool for five shows for five shows we had a job. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait to go to merch now this week and drop off these flags that we didn't get to sell on tour. Um, but I do Hopefully have one on my wall. buy them. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, it kind of got lost in the stuff. I can't wait to uh, get those up because they are pretty sweet. And I do have one in my room because my partner is nice and lets me. She hung a whole bunch of Fit for a King shit um, during this quarantine. She framed a few of our old posters. I have like the... After the burial and mirror one, I've got the In Hearts Wake Fit for a King Gramercy show. I've got the Miss May I Fit for a King Euro tour. 
I got our first European tour, the Amity one, a bunch of cool ones. So it's pretty sweet. All those would be so nice to play again. Yes. Someday. Someday we will. And yep. <laughs> I did like the lineup change that um, got made for our European run, which we can't tell anyone right now. But A lot of friends. A lot of friends. And I think that's going to be a sick tour. I think it's going to be very cool. Um, so what's been your favorite hobby while you're home during the quarantine? I've been playing a lot of PlayStation, particularly MLB The Show. That's cool. What's that? So Is that like a normal? It's a baseball play? game. Okay. Just a normal baseball. It's There's no sports in the world, so I have to play fake sports. Yeah. That's crazy. I wonder if they'll bring sports back, but with no spectators, or if they'll wait till they're allowed to have spectators. They're hoping for August or September for sports to come back. Hmm. Interesting. They're, yeah. It's so many people in one place. But I was it hoping is. that would be <laughs> happening. Gosh, because we, we are like 15 minutes away from Barclay Center Subway, and I could drive to... Um, Yankee Stadium, Shea, or the Meadowlands, like, very easily. So we would be able to see a ton of sports if they were still a thing. But, like, our job. I just want to spend money to go to a baseball game. Dude. When this is all back. Absolutely. And soon we will. Yeah, I really, really would love to get to do that as well. I agree with you, man. It stinks that we've we've only lived in New York City um, in Brooklyn for since August and we haven't gotten to utilize that yet by going to a sporting event. Um, cause we're always, we were always on the road. Um, but hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can enjoy Brooklyn and go to parks against pe- the wishes of the CDC. Absolutely. That's what I'm going to do after we finish this probably is, uh, go drive to a different beach and walk the boardwalk or walk the beach. But um, it's actually, you know, when we did it on Staten Island yesterday, um, people were pretty good about keeping their distance. We were pretty good about keeping our distance from people. And we walked on the beach where there was almost no one. So that was pretty nice. Uh, Most people were keeping to the boardwalk anyway. We went and looked at a bunch of rotting crabs. It was pretty cool. I wonder if they had it. Yeah. It was just Mr. Crab, Mr. Crabs everywhere. They all yeah. had it. No, only tigers get the coronavirus. Didn't you see? Oh, yeah. I saw that they're getting a test while other people can't get a test. Yeah. I thought that was, like, fake when I saw that posted. I don't... PETA's doing the Lord's work. Gosh. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't really know much about PETA. I'm glad I never did one of those tours where I had to watch the video of, like, animals getting ground up and stuff. I just prefer to eat them. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm a softie like that um, because I have no cojones when it comes to killing an animal, but I will gladly eat all of them because they're delicious and I like them. But I don't, you know, want to piss anybody off, so I'm not going to talk about that. We're not going to get into that. Yep. You know, but we'll get Brian on here to talk about that at some point. He can tell everyone. He can talk about vegan things. Yeah, he's super vegan. And we'll talk about our band Drone Strike, which is the best uh, band that's never released any music ever. But all in due time. So, Kirby, anything for the people, dude? Thank you for, um, one, being my first episode and letting me interview you a little bit. 
I'm super excited. I know you've heard me talk about this for a while, but mm -hmm. I can't wait to get this thing out. And, uh, you know, I think we got some stuff out of you that maybe the people haven't heard quite yet. So thank yes. you for your time and doing this with me, man. I love you. You're the dude. I love you too. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Well, hang on one second and, uh, you know, we can catch up a little bit off the air. Um, but dude, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So problem. All right. Bye, Kirby. Bye. Well, everybody, that was the first episode of the Get Tucked podcast. I am your host, Ryan Tuck O'Leary. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Next up, I've got Bobby Ling, Robert Lynch, Robert Ducote, whatever you want to call him. He's going to be my next victim. So I hope you guys come back and tune in. I appreciate you. I hope your quarantine is going okay. Love y'all.
Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.